I know some folks kind of think of this past year as somewhat of a bummer. Uh, maybe we can get a reroll. This is the Veteran War Gamer. This is the Veteran War Gamer. I'm your host, Jay Arnold. Welcome to Episode 7. Today I'll speak with my brother Chris about our gaming in 2016 and look forward to 2017. As always, the Veteran War Gamer is brought to you by King's Hobbies and Games, retailer of premium painting and modeling supplies for the gamer, and special artisan service miniatures 3D printed models. Check out the many models available in a variety of sizes from 10mm to 54mm at kingshobbiesandgames.com. The Benghazi Contractor Kickstarter wind funding window is closed, and the project has fully funded. On behalf of Tim Spikowski, I want to thank everyone who contributed to this Kickstarter. And Tim, congratulations on the success of this project. Personally, look forward to 2017 and see what the year has in store for Special Artists and Service Ministers in King's Hobbies and Games. After this break, my brother Chris and I talk about our past year and look forward to the next. again uh, you may remember we talked to him on episode two about the recruits gaming show Chris welcome back to the show uh, thanks Jay uh, good to be back I've been listening to uh, the other shows and uh, doing a real good job well thank you very much um, yeah I'm really I, I guess that's my big story uh, for the year is, is starting this podcast and it's been it's been a whole lot of fun, and it's been some uh, ups and downs, I guess you'd say, because there, towards the end of October, I missed publication. Actually, October and in November, I missed publication dates twice. I, I try to publish on every other Thursday, uh, late night, so Friday morning for our folks in the UK and Europe who listen didn't work out in late October, early November due to me going to a two-week leadership course for the National Guard in Pennsylvania. And then as soon as I got done with that course, uh, we went to Walt Disney World, uh, my family's third time. Uh, your your first time. Uh, you, yes. You and your wife went with went with me and the wife and, and kids and we had we certainly had a blast oh yeah definitely had uh, great fun and uh, definitely wanting to go back not, not only for the new Star Wars world that's going in but just in general yeah the amount of fun we had and you know it's I have not had that much fun on a vacation in a very long time yeah it's it's a ton of fun um, and Unfortunately, this show is not sponsored by the Walt Disney Corporation. However, 
if, if somebody from the Walt Disney Corporation is listening and would like to sponsor <laughs> the Veteran Wargamer, send an email to theveteranwargamer at gmail.com. It's, it's just a ton of fun, and uh, half the fun for me, at least, is seeing the fun that my kids have. Oh yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, this is not the Walt Disney podcast. This is the Veteran Wargamer podcast, which, so we probably ought to talk about gaming. This is a retrospective of 2016. We're going to look forward to 2017. <clears throat> and um, I know that the D6 generation does a predictions show at the end of each year. And they look at their predictions for the previous year and make new predictions. We're not going to do anything like that. It's just strictly about our experience. And... I guess we could kind of take a look. Eh, maybe, I guess, maybe just chronologically is going to be the best way to do it. So, I think what we need to do is talk first about what we refer to as CJ3. Yes. So, CJ3 uh, is a uh, spin-off, if you will, from uh, J3, your uh, uh, July uh, get-together. Uh decided once moved up here to Springfield that you know maybe twice a year would be uh, fun to do uh, you know gaming get together with our friends so um, in 2015 I invited some folks over to the apartment we had a, a fun game day and uh, everybody thought it was a good idea that uh, we went ahead and did it uh, this year as well yeah and just to just for folks who don't know uh the the J three is Jay's July Jamboree, and so of course I go by Jay, and of course my brother Chris is Christopher James, so he has CJ three, which is Christopher James January Jamboree. So that's right. that's what we're talking right. about when we say when we say J three and CJ three. Right. So uh, just a, a a way to get together with uh, friends and uh, you know play games all weekend yeah and let's see this time this time around um i wasn't able to make it until later on saturday but it looks like uh looking through some of the photos from our super secret facebook group i saw there was some ticket to ride being played which is a great yes. game oh it was a blast it's always fun um if you're if you're more of a miniatures gamer and not into into board games, you you need to check out Ticket to Ride. It's it's a really fun game. It plays relatively quickly. Um, I'd say what an hour fifteen, if you really know uh, what you're doing. Two hours if you're just kind of new to it. Yeah, two hours, and that's with you know uh, a full board with six players. Right. Uh, if and, it's just you know th two or three, you can probably get a game done once you know really the the rules well. 45 minutes an mm -hmm. hour at most yeah and you can get you can get ticket to ride at your I guarantee your local game store has it uh, you can also get it at Target you can get it at Barnes and Noble um, yeah funny thing about your copy of ticket to ride and my copy of ticket to ride is we gave each other <laughs> ticket to ride uh, Christmas of 2014 unbeknownst to one another right um I got you the standard basic American version, and you got me the Germany version, which is slightly right. different, but very very similar games, but slightly different. <clears throat> so great yeah, minds so. great minds think alike, but fools hardly differ. 
Exactly. <laughs> so Ticket to Ride, it's it's a blast. You can also play it on your iOS device. I'm not sure if it's available for Android or not, but I do know it's, it's available know. for iOS. Um, speaking of on iOS, uh, when I was sitting in the lobby with uh, my wife uh, waiting for the our second viewing of Rogue One, there was a couple that had uh, a 12.9 iPad Pro playing Ticket to Ride, Ooh. and this couple with a probably four-year-old son uh, asked what was that was, and they you know started up a brand new game and and showed them how to play Ticket to Ride. So you know, it, for me, that was really enjoyable to see what gaming of any sort can do. It can really open up uh, people to uh, new things and, you know, really uh, get people to, to socialize. Right. So Cause, it, cause it's at, really at, cool. At its core, the type of gaming that we do, tabletop miniatures or tabletop board gaming or card gaming for that matter, it's a social experience. Um, you know, and that's introducing someone to the hobby the right way, the way you described it. And you know, we definitely need more of that and fewer of the horror stories that we discussed on the last episode with Dave Tubbs. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely. You know, it's the, the board game section of our gaming hobby is growing by leaps and bounds and that's bounds. And that's great to see. I'd like to see that type of expansion going on with the miniature section of the sector of the hobby, you know, for obvious reasons. And I, and I think, <laughs> I think there's there's some there's some opportunity there, and maybe we can discuss that a little bit when we start looking toward uh, 2017. So, anyway, yeah. CJ3, um, back <laughs> back to that. Now that we've rambled on about Ticket to sure. Ride for six minutes, um, uh, so yeah, there's Ticket to Ride. We did um, well. We played Shot, Steel, and Stone, Henry yes. Hyde's uh, Horse and Musket Rules from his excellent excellent Wargaming Compendium. Um, yes. Now we didn't use figures. We used um, bases that I cut from uh, basically a plastic sign making material called Sintra with standard uh, unit symbols on them. So we had red for one side and blue for the other, and is almost like a map exercise, just trying to come to grips with how the rules work. And one side was one of the imaginations I came up up with the. Uh, Republic of Fromage, and the other is the Grand Duchy of Verstzaug. Yes. And um, you can you can look up imaginations. There's all sorts of them out there. Um, obviously, I was I was inspired by Henry's Grand Prix and uh, Grand Wee. You can check those out. I'll I'll put a link to uh, to Henry's stuff for imaginations. There's also a guy that does one called the Grand Duchy of Stalin. And there's there's tons of others. It seems most imaginations players uh, go for kind of a mid 18th century vibe, uh, seven years war kind of thing. Um, I kind of fast forwarded my concept of the imaginations that we play with to being sort of turn of the 18th into the 19th century, kind of a Napoleonic vibe. Uh, mostly because eventually I'd like to play with six millimeter Napoleonic figures. Right. 
Um, but we had a good time coming to grips with those rules. Um, let's see what else. What else do we play? I'm almost positive we, we played a chain of command because it always seems like whenever we get this group together, chain of command gets played mm-hmm. just by definition. Yeah, I <laughs> don't specifically recall, but I might I'm I may have had to have duck out early. Or maybe that was on Friday night and I wasn't able to get in uh, I think it might have been Sunday. Okay. Um, just like the previous year had a, a game on Sunday, so. Yeah. Yeah, Chain of Command. I've put it in the show notes before. I'll put it in the show <laughs> notes again. Great, great game. Um, a spectacular game. Yeah. I it, it is my go-to World War II game. Mm-hmm. Um, I got involved uh, with my uh, gaming store down in Austin uh, with uh, playing World War Two like everybody else does with um, the you know eight hundred pound gorilla out there, Flames of War, mm-hmm. and somebody showed up with a copy of these rules, and it was I was sold. Yeah, so it, it's a, it really is an excellent system. It's it, it does everything right. It was. You know, originally, you know, listening to Richard Clark talk, he kind of intended it to be played with 135th scale military models. Yeah. And, you know, a good number of folks play 28 mil. And, in fact, their their demonstrations that they do at various war game shows are with 28 millimeter figures. But we have a grand time playing with 15s. And there are many, many people who play with 15s using the same measurements and everything as the 28 mil, and they pretty much universally recognize that it it looks the best with 15 mil. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I've heard of people, you can do it with 10 mil. I think 6 mil is getting to be a stretch, but um, the other system that uh, Two Fat Lardies does for World War II... I ain't I ain't been shot, Mum. Uh, I've I've heard of people playing that in six mil. And yeah, and that probably probably fits a little better, being that it's at least one level up in yeah. your span of control. Yeah, it's a it's a company level game where uh, chain of command is a is a platoon level game. So um, was there X Wing or uh, Star Wars Armada? There, yes, uh, our friend Eric brought uh, Armada to the table and, uh, as always, had a fun time with it as well. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as big as his J3, uh, his J3 game, which is when he brings out all of his toys, yeah. spans every bit of eight feet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Um, but it was still fun. Yeah. Now, getting past CJ3, the the next thing, well, I, I was working on, I was kind of kicking around some ideas for a sci-fi skirmish game uh, using, of course, 28mm figures, and I've been kicking around wanting to do something with sci-fi skirmish that's not terribly complex, that someone can just jump right into and start playing, and I kind of got the idea of using some uh, some science fiction starship paper models 
that come from a company called WorldWorks Games and primarily using their uh, first light system. Now, WorldWorks Games makes PDFs that you can buy, download, and then print to your little heart's content. Different floor sections, wall sections you can put together to make you know, any number of different rooms and whatnot. And the uh, first light, first light stuff is the uh, first light is a kind of like a tramp freighter um, set. So it's got a, you know a variety of different hallways, variety of different rooms, and I kind of thought of the idea of putting together a a space station for boarding actions, and kicked around some ideas for some for the rules, uh, going back and forth with different things, and. You know, thinking about the different figures I have available, I really started liking the idea of using my old 40K figures. Like, some right. of the original figures that I first got in Christmas of 1988, or 87. No, Christmas of 87. That I that I talked about in episode one of the Veteran Wargamer podcast. And so I've got a bunch of Space Pirates and Adventurer figures, and some of the original plastic Marines, and... That kind of got me looking more towards the old Hammer stuff again. And my interest in, in old Hammer really has come back with a vengeance. And uh, to the point where once I do something sci-fi skirmish related, I, it's, it's going to be with old Hammer figures come hell or high water. Right, yeah. And I kind of, I'm, I'm not going to say I went on a, on a buying spree... Uh, this year, you know, hitting eBay and hitting the various other places, but I did I bought <laughs> I, I bought a good number of figures this year. You, you did some damage. I did some damage, <laughs> but I got some really cool figures out of the bargain. Some of the original metal space marines. Yes, kids, oh, yeah. they, they used to make space marines out of metal, and many of them were two pieces, because you glued a little backpack on, and that was it. That was it for assembly back in those days. Yep. But, uh, so yeah, I got got back into the old hammer. Um, had the idea. I've I've always wanted to do some kind of a big game at J three. Um, in the past, I've done uh, commands and colors, epic ancients, uh, using cardboard stand ups uh, in lieu of the blocks. Uh, that worked out well. I've actually run that twice. That's it's been fun. Always well received. Yes, um, <clears throat> I did a big Battle of Britain game using a one six hundredth aircraft with a slightly modified version of Star Wars X Wing miniatures. Um, that, that was a lot of fun as well, and uh, really well, uh, really well uh, thought out, and especially with the special rules for each of your pilots. Not each of them, but right. Some of the pilots had special rules that definitely played towards their their historical significance right and just to just explain my my vision for the game was each player would have four aircraft uh four historical aircraft from actual squadrons that fought during the battle of britain so for example the germans have have a group of four fighters from jg2 which was adolf gallon's squadron and adolf gallon is the one named pilot that you get with that group and I forget his special ability. And another one, uh, like the British have a have a uh, hurricane squadron, 
uh, 303 squadron, which was the Polish squadron. And I forget the pilot I had for, for it, but, you know, so it was a lot of fun doing the research on that project and uh, actually looking forward to CJ3 um, next year coming up in just a few weeks, actually. I'm going to be bringing that out again uh, yeah. by request from one of the from one of the attendees. Yeah. So I'm really it, looking forward to that. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I, I always enjoy playing uh, the X-Wing rules, mm-hmm. whether we're using X-Wing models or something else. To that end, I, I have also been working on a Midway version mm-hmm. uh, of the same game, as well as I've toyed with possibly Battlestar Galactica, because I just love the the ships from Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the the downside to that is oh, I I guess there really isn't a downside, but if if, if I think if you're gonna play sci-fi, I just as soon play Star Wars. But I'm more of a true. The the Battlestar Galactica bug never really bit me that hard. Right. So yeah, I'll play it, but uh, I'm not gonna get really into it like I would a Star Wars game. Right, right, right. But you know, hey, different strokes for different folks, right? Exactly. So, so back to big, back to big games. Um, one of the things I've always wanted to do with the big games is have something where everybody contributes something, mostly figures, and part of that is inspired by again Henry Hyde's um, big games that he big big game weekends that he he doesn't host but he participates in uh, in a little town called Ayton over in England. And they play his shot, steel, and stone rules with various imaginations. And, and the players bring their 28mm forces. And it usually ends up being three or four battalions of infantry, a squadron or two of cavalry, and then a battery or two of artillery. And uh, the more recent games have just been absolutely huge, where they'll have a, a table that's... 24, 30 feet long and 5 feet wide and anywhere from 6 to 10 players to a side in just these huge, huge games well, I've always wanted to do something along those lines and I started thinking putting my thinking cap on and what is something that maybe not every member of the group that comes to J3 has but most of them have most of them have fantasy figures whether they're Warhammer Fantasy Battle or Chronopia, or Clan War, or War Gods of Egyptus, or uh, historical armies for that matter. Um, Ancients armies, Dark Ages armies, medieval armies. So, I thought, well, why don't we apply a fantasy veneer to Shot, Steel, and Stone? And so I worked on that through the spring, and we we threw it out there at J3. Uh, We ended up with... Uh, my Skaven, which I've been working on off and on for the past year and a half. Um, some Undead that I've also been working on for about a year and a half. Our friend Eric went all in and bought a ton of goblins, the pre-painted, oh, man. The pre-painted D&D uh, orcs and goblins. Yeah, um, he, he, he absolutely had a horde. Yeah. I, th- there's no other way to to put it that that was a horde of gabos yeah and then facing that nefarious band was (laughs) a combined group of um someone who works in defense so we won't use his name but we'll refer to him as the colonel brought a uh 
brought an army of basically screaming naked barbarians. Um, hairy, screaming naked barbarians. Well, uh, bearded <laughs> kind of implies hairy, but yeah. Uh, Chris Copeland brought his uh, samurai forces. Mm-hmm. And you had your uh, Warhammer elves. And some dwarves. And some dwarves, that's right. That's yeah. right. And I think... I think it looked good, even though everything wasn't painted. It did look good on the table. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I think the... I was not familiar enough with the rules to run the game smoothly. Right. And I, I take full... I take full responsibility for that. It, it was not a great experience for everyone, and I apologize for that. But I think I've got a solution to that. And as we've been discussing between ourselves, is... And I've mentioned on this podcast and on my blog, uh, applying a fantasy veneer to Commands and Colors. But wait, I hear you say. Commands and Colors already <laughs> has a fantasy va- variant in Battle Lore. Yes, it does, but they don't have an epic version. Um, just to... And you don't have Battle Lore. Well, the, the rules for Battle Lore are free on the f- Fantasy Flight game site, so that's not a huge deal. Um Pesky details. <laughs> Pesky details. They do have different <laughs> dice. So they don't use the same dice as Commands and Colors Ancients. There's a couple other things that aren't exactly the same. But overall, it's the same basic system with a few tweaks right. to it. And uh, as I explained in my blog, uh, answering this very question, uh, the Commands and Colors Epic Ancients version allows for four players per side. And you've got a player for the center section of the board the left section and the right section and then your fourth player is the overall commander of that side who issues out command cards to any of his three sections that he wants to go that turn so there is not an epic version for battle lore otherwise I would steal it outright and just run with it so I'm going to go ahead and use Commands and Colors Ancients. We've talked about some different uh, racial characteristics for the different fantasy races. Uh, we've even talked about racial characteristics for human races, for that matter. For example, uh, coming up at CJ3, I'm planning on fighting my Skaven against Chris Copeland's uh, medieval Japanese. So we've kind of thought of some ways to differentiate the Japanese from other forces. And the Skaven are going to have some special rules. I don't think I'm going to mess around with magic too much this go around because I just want to make sure that the that the racial characteristics work well enough. Right. Yeah, you know just get the nuts and bolts down exactly. before you start putting on the uh, the, the fascia as you would. Yeah, the, the magic, <clears throat> the, the addition of magic, I, I don't want it to be overpowering but I want, I do want it to have some type of effect. Sure. So, that that's something that's gonna I'm gonna continue to work on that because I want to take commands and colors fantasy to conventions. I think it's got a great potential to be a really cool convention game. Oh, absolutely. Um, again, if you've been paying attention on my Twitter and Facebook feeds, I'm putting together a board for commands and colors that uses approximately six inch hexes. So if you know your commands of colors, you know that it's 13 hexes wide and nine hexes deep. So you do the math on that and 13 hexes by six inches is six and a half feet. Well, if you take an epic 
mat, that's double width. So now you're looking at 26 hexes long by 9 hexes deep. So now you're looking at 13 feet. So no matter what, that's going to be an impressive an impressive board at a convention. Absolutely, yeah. So with that in <clears throat> mind, I'm looking to to get more <laughs> looking to get even more Skaven. Um, I'm at close to 300 Skaven models at the moment. And, and that's not near enough. And that's not near enough. I'm <laughs> I'm around a hundred and well, actually no, I'm close to two hundred undead models actually, and that's not nearly enough. Also, so so here's a call out to any anybody and everybody who might have some Skaven figures or undead figures you want to unload. Let me know. Uh, in all seriousness, email the Veteran Wargamer at gmail dot com. I'll I'll consider any any serious offer, but anyway. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I got going on for the big game. Scaven undead for my evil force. I want to get uh, more elves and humans and dwarves for the good guys to fight them. So yep. I think that'd be a lot of fun. So moving forward chronologically, well, since we're talking about. What I'm hoping to do for J3, might as well talk about J3 this past year. Um, let's see, we had Armada, as we discussed. Yep. Um, we had, uh, well, that big shot, steel, and stone game that didn't go so well, but that was my own fault. Yep. Um, Did a, another uh, uh, command, or uh, Chain of Command. Yep. Well, the Chain of Command was on Sunday this year. <laughs> Yes. I was not able to attend Sunday because I had a sick kid and sick kids come first. Yeah, it's just a it's just a good good time. Uh yeah. oh, uh our friend James Earls, old army buddy of mine, definitely a veteran war gamer. Yes. Uh, he has a homebrew sci-fi skirmish game and this year's scenario was basically it was um Hadley's Hope on LV426. It was the colonists against the aliens, against the xenomorphs, and that was that was a heck of a good game. It, it was, was ex- exciting. It, very it, exciting. Uh, very cinematic. Yes. Yeah. Um, James always puts together a really nifty concept, and really, you know, at first you think, is this really gonna, you know, with his how he does his activation or whatever, is this really gonna work out? And it absolutely does. Yeah. I mean, every single, even the people just watching the game, yeah, were literally on the edge of their seats if they had been sitting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the The little alcove where mm-hmm. this particular game took place is is basically on a bar, which is chest high. So, and I don't think they've even got bar stools in there anymore. So you're standing for the entire game, but no, you don't yeah. you don't care. It's okay. Yeah, exactly. So. It's a blast, and, and the fact that it's also uh, dark in there. there yeah, there's not a lot of light. There's <laughs> not a lot of light in there. That's true. And so. um, well, to even if you remember, James had black lights. Yes, black lights, and uh, whenever the the queen finally burst out, he had the uh, rotating beacon light. Yeah, the red the red warning light <laughs> rotating. So it's very. James is very much a showman on his games, and it he does a good job. He does a good job with those. Always, always, um, always look forward to whatever he yeah. decides to bring. Um, 
So in that same little alcove, we did some X-Wing. Yep. Uh, X-Wing miniatures. That's always a good time. Did the big shot steel and stone, as I already mentioned. Did, uh... Oh, you had a naval game, right? Um, uh, did I do a naval game this past year? Thought you did, didn't you? Or well, there's there a, a ACW. You guys did a played an ACW American Civil War naval game that the Colonel brought. Yeah, yeah, yeah the Colonel brought the ACW. That that's what the naval game was played. Yeah. So. so. Uh, yeah, it, and J three is always a good time, and it's not just. And I'm I'm gonna have an episode in the future. Uh, coming up this year, talking about how to run your own personal war games weekend. And um, I mentioned before about how my wife, Beth, puts together great food. Ah, uh, to and, die for. Um, and we'll we'll talk in detail in a future episode about how, how to do your own gaming weekend. Because it's, they're a lot of fun. They're a lot of work, but they're a lot of fun, too. So. Yeah. It's it's absolutely it's all the advantages of a convention game or of a, or going to a game convention except it's just your friends, right? And it's it's just tons and tons of fun. Um, so I guess moving forward, the next big thing for us was uh, we went to recruits as we discussed, yes. and yeah. uh, you can go back to episode two of this podcast to hear our detailed discussion of recruits. I won't go into any further detail about that, but that's. That's another thing that we did. Well, just to to not go into detail and belabor the the ins and outs, but that did uh, did bring me to something that I'm looking forward to to working on uh, in the coming year, and that's uh, uh, one six hundred scale three millimeter uh, Arab Israeli mm-hmm. armor for the uh 67 and 73 wars yeah um because i did sit down and play the uh team yankee game in Mm -hmm. six mil and i thought hey three mil's cheap and you know yeah (laughs) yeah i've i've discussed pico armor and have had and have had pico armor in the show notes before but it's worth mentioning again uh you get 15 pieces that's 15 vehicles or 15 strips of figures for four and a half dollars. So if you know your your Warsaw Pact uh, tables of organization and equipment, you know that nine bucks gets you a battalion of tanks. Yeah. At, at one to one, one tank equals one model. And yeah, yeah it's they're a lot of fun. My my three mil or one six hundredth, however you want to call them, fighters for Battle of Britain. You know, every single one of them has a camouflage pattern on it, and they they were a lot of fun to paint. Yeah, so, the great thing about Arab Israeli Arabs are this shade of beige. The Israelis are a slightly different beige. <laughs> Oh, get it right. It's khaki and tan, man. It's khaki uh, and tan. Uh. Get with it. Well, it's like, <laughs> for most of the 50s, 60s, and 70s, Warsaw Pact versus NATO is two different shades of green. Exactly, yeah. So, <laughs> how can you tell the good guys with the bad guys that the bad guys are sli- <laughs> slightly darker green? Right. You know, they're more, pa- more tightly packed in formations. But, so, yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention, in April of this year... My daughter said something that I thought I would never have to hear. Dad, I want to learn how to play Magic the Gathering. Uh, 
So I'm not one to dissuade her, so we went ahead and got a starter pack. And we've been, there's a there's a group where near where I live that plays magic on a regular basis and I've taken her to to uh, a couple of evenings of that and just to get to learn the game and we've actually been pretty good on our spending for it. I think at this point we're about 50 bucks in. No, that, and that's you you're just not even scratching literally not scratching the surface. Yeah. And I I guess what it comes down for me is I understand why some people like the game. It's not for me. It's not the type of game that I would like playing, but if sure. I can get her to to enjoy some game, that's that's fine yeah. by me. And, and it's not a it's not a bad game. It's actually a um, it's it's a very it's, clever game. Yeah. It's just that there is so much built around the the game is so hard is so far built around deck construction that just simply doesn't appeal to me. You know, it's just not my right. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't do anything for me. And yeah, the, the the meta of getting this, uh, if I get this particular card out in combination with these other two cards, yeah. I can win the game type thing. Um, and it, it, it's not for me either. Um, I think Fantasy Flight did an amazing job. With Wizards of the Coast, X, X oh, Wing and Armada, yeah. With uh, with bringing that into how you build your fleets to draw that uh, that group of players in, and I think that's why they they've yeah. done so well. Yeah, and you see the same thing with the privateer press with war machine and hordes mm-hmm. and you you see that now in how 40k is warhammer 40,000 is is going with yeah. a different you know different construction rules for different army forces and different um, formations they call them and right. you see it even further with the uh, warhammer age of sigmar you mm-hmm. know the way that the warhammer fantasy game is gone and there's, you know, I, years ago, <laughs> years ago, I said, you know, Clausewitz said war is an extension of politics by other means, and 40k is an extension of magic by other means. But it's definitely, it's definitely the case now. They are, they're looking to appeal to a certain section sector of the hobby that likes to look for those synergistic capabilities. And those combinations, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just not my game. Exactly, yeah. it's yeah. not my bag. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. But they they're doing an excellent job. Yeah. With it, and what's great about uh, I don't know about the Games Workshop games or the Privateer Press games so much anymore. But uh, the great thing is with Armada and Star uh, uh, X Wing is you don't have to play that type of a game. Right. You can just throw your stuff out on the table and shoot them up and have an objective. Yeah, and, and that's the case for any of these games. You know, at the end of the day, you play your game the way you want to play your game. And if you come up with house rules that bend or break or interpret the rules in a different way, then so be it. It's your game. Do sure. Do with it as you will. But, you know, there is that there is that certain sector of 
of enthusiasts for these for these various games that are very much into the army building aspect and looking for those synergistic combinations and that's that's part of the game and if you're going to be in the tournament scene you better be ready to do that oh yeah which you or, know or, or you're just going to get walked over yeah oh well, yeah <laughs> but you know that's the nature of the beast and i think people know that going into it yeah so it's, it's not a surprise so um now this group i mentioned uh they have an annual weekend and i took took my daughter to it and ran into a, a friend of ours ray at it and he showed us around uh, Imperial Assault, the Star Wars uh, miniatures board game. Eh, miniatures game, board game, a little of both, a little from column A, a little from column B. Yeah. We'll have a, again, we're going to have another episode talking about, you know, where do we draw the line between miniatures and uh, board game now. But, you know, Imperial Assault was, it's it's a fun game. Uh, we took, so you can play two different modes you've got a campaign mode and you've got a skirmish mode i think they call it mm-hmm. and we just played a straight up skirmish mode um i had vader and a couple of i think like three or four stormtroopers and ray took um oh what do you have he had luke and a couple of rebel flunkies and maybe like a different not chewbacca but a different wookiee perhaps yeah and <clears throat> When I unleashed Vader, he just straight up murdered every single one of Ray's <laughs> I, figures. I was about to say, did, did he wreck house like? Yeah, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Like spoilers. he's supposed spoilers. to be. <laughs> Yes, we've seen Rogue One. Maybe some of our listeners haven't, but spoilers. Yes. <laughs> yes, he he wrecked house <laughs> in a in a most spectacular way. Good. So yeah, I, I I've <clears throat> thought about getting into it, but it's just I'm, I'm I'm buying stuff for Armada. I'm buying stuff for X-wing. Do I want to get there? There's another new game that they just came out with that's got dice and cards. Yeah. Uh, Destiny. That, yeah, Star Wars. Yeah, Destiny. Destiny. Yeah. Uh, that that looks kind of interesting, but it's only because it's Star Wars. If it was any other. <clears throat> IP, it probably wouldn't look interesting to me. Well, Fantasy Flight's doing a great <laughs> Fantasy Flight's doing a great job with the IP, and I mean they're on a they're on a gravy train with biscuit wheels as far oh, as yeah. I'm concerned oh, with man. with the Star Wars IP. Um, actually, jumping back in time a little bit, we took a, a family vacation up to Minnesota, and on the way back, we stopped off in Roseville, uh, Minnesota, to go to the Fantasy Flight Game Center which that almost deserves an episode of its own. Um, it's a really, it's basically the best possible game store. Um, huge plane area, lots of tables, lots of great looking scenery for miniatures games. They've got a huge library of, of board games you can play, not just Fantasy Flight stuff, but, you know, they've got some Warhammer and Warhammer 40,000 on sale there. They've got they've got games from everybody. It's a legitimate game shop with product from everybody. And uh, so it's not just a company store. Yeah, it's not just a company store. Of course they've got, you know, the the Fantasy Flight stuff front and center, but they've got Asmodee stuff and they've got Rio Grande Rio Grande game stuff and um They've also got GMT, you know, the the crunchier war game type board games. So cool. 
Yeah, and they've got a full-service restaurant in there. Well, you can't beat that. No, you can't. And, <laughs> well, one of the best things about it is that they sell poutine. Well, there you go. Yeah, poutine, if you don't know, is a Canadian dish, which is on my very long list of things I like about Canada. And it's french fries with cheese curds and gravy. And it's outstanding, and it's terrible for you. But who cares? But, uh... <laughs> Anyway, I, I know we're trying to go chronologically, but we're jumping all over, but that's that's just how it is. So yeah, uh, Imperial Assault played that. Wings of War. Got in a game of Wings of War with Ray and and my daughter. Uh, the World War One version. And I like that game. You can definitely see how X-Wing came from it. But I think I like... I like the modifications that went into X-Wing and I'm at the point now where I'd be willing to sell <clears throat> off my Wings of War stuff um, because I think X-Wing provides a, a better experience right and it's, it sounds weird but I've, I've toyed around with <laughs> updating my Wings of War stuff to play in a X-Wing fashion yes yeah <clears throat> definitely yeah I I mean, when Wings of War first came out, I don't remember what it was. Is it still called Wings of War? Or, anyway, it's called Wings um, of Glory now, but it's the same. Yeah, it's the same system. Yeah, yeah. Wings of Glory. And so when Wings of War came out, to me it was, uh, it felt right when doing you know World War One dogfights, mm -hmm. um, and it still does. But the part of you know each turn has three segments and each segment you have to figure out exactly what you're going to do with your you know your maneuvering is a I don't know to me it seems a little belabored um, but I guess you know for the time period that's wanting to recreate it's okay but I, I agree I, I do prefer the the one maneuver per turn as it were well it's not so much that is I, I like the dials more than the cards Yes. Uh, that's yeah. part of it. I like the the dice for combat resolution as, a part, as opposed to the cards. Um, I think there's room to do something a little bit different with the cards, and I kind of played around with it with a skirmish game I was developing earlier and I might get back to. <clears throat> but, uh, but I'm a sucker for card-based activation systems anyway. Right. But uh, Now, the big, the big game purchase for this house this year or at least the game that's seen the most play since we got it, is Dungeon. Um, ah, yes. Spurred on by the Netflix series Stranger Things, uh, you see <laughs> you see a copy of the original Dungeon in that show for all of about f five seconds. But I thought, yeah, I need, to, I need to look into that. Now, if you're looking for an original copy of Dungeon, you're going to be paying crazy money on eBay. But Wizards of the Coast makes an updated version of Dungeon, and you can get it for like 12 bucks off Amazon. And it's not... If you go on Board Game Geek, yeah, Board Game Geek reviews are going to say it's terrible. There's not much challenging gameplay. But that's not what Dungeon is for. Dungeon is for getting young kids into playing fantasy games. And that's what I've been doing with my son, and to a lesser extent, daughter. And... Um, well, I mentioned it in the again. I mentioned it in the last episode, uh, you know, teaching 
you know, teaching Joey just simply how to how to win well and how to lose well while playing a game. And so I'm hoping hoping we can get into something a little bit more uh, more in depth, a little more crunchy. But we'll we'll see how that goes. But Dungeon's sure. been a lot of fun. Um, I think we've probably played six or seven times. But uh, but yeah, that's that's well, actually, uh, moving forward, that's that's been the year. Uh, we, we did go to uh, Winternomicon. Oh, yes, that's right. We went to Winternomicon. Oh, I also went to Fall In. Uh, when I was out, out at uh, Pennsylvania doing that two-week leadership course, Fall In happened during the uh, weekend that was smack dab in the middle of the course. Uh, luckily, it was a gentleman's course, so as soon as we were done with class, I was able to break out and get down to Lancaster and go to Fall In. I uh, was able to meet up with... Uh, Howard Whitehouse, uh, author both of novels and of various uh, action pulp library games, and uh, was able to talk to him. and He he puts on a really neat game using I think they're f- they're like thirty millimeter, um, basically toy soldier type figures, and I'm talking the old like the Britons and uh, Williams uh, metal figures, high gloss uh, paint jobs on them Mm -hmm. and just a real neat setup and he was running that the the dastardly French were invading Blighty you know putting putting their feet on on uh, England's green shores in the uh, late 1800s and I, I got I got there too late to join the game because it was just about wrapping up. But the guys that were playing it certainly were having a lot of fun, and uh, got to meet up with another friend of mine. We uh, talked about various things, and I, I didn't actually play anything at Fall In, but it was very impressive. And I'd like I'd like to go to some of the other HMGS, that's a Historical Miniatures Gaming Society uh, conventions on the East Coast. There, the dealer hall was enormous. Every major retailer and manufacturer and rules writer or publisher in the United States was there, at least as far as miniatures are concerned. <clears throat> if you're, if you are a historical miniatures war gamer, you know, I wouldn't waste my time with Gen Con from what I hear. I wouldn't waste my time with Adepticon in Chicago. I would go to Fall In or Winter War or. Uh, Historicon, and apparently Historicon's even bigger than Fall In, which I've, I'm not gonna say I find it hard to believe, but Fall In's pretty big. So, <laughs> um, well, Historicon always seems to be, it's almost like the granddaddy of them all. It's, yeah. it's, it's the one that uh, even living in uh, when I lived in Austin, we our gaming group every year would have a contingent that would would head up that direction mm-hmm. uh, for Historicon. Not so much for the others, but definitely they, they wanted to make an appearance to Historicon. So. Right. right. Now, uh, win- I could definitely see it being the bigger. Yeah. Now, Winternomicon was a tiny, tiny, tiny little convention uh, held in Quincy, Illinois. And I think counting the impromptu game of Armada that you ran, there were, well, no, I take that back. I guess there were while we were there, because we got there late in the afternoon and stayed through most of the evening, uh, there were three miniatures games there. 
you know, there are probably four or five tables of guys playing board games. Looks like there are three, eh, five or six uh, role-playing games going on, mm-hmm. and some guys smacking each other with foam swords. Uh, there was also um, quite a bit of uh, magic and oh, okay. other card games also. Yeah. So, so. Def- it's definitely something I want to support in the future. Absolutely. Um, especially taking uh, Commands and Colors Fantasy on the road. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and I think this was just year two, so mm-hmm. hopefully uh, hopefully it can continue to uh, breathe life, as it were, and mm-hmm. uh, grow bigger and better and stronger. Yeah. Um, well, I think we need to take a look at what's coming up in 2017. Mm-hmm. What's on the horizon? And what are we excited about as far as the the upcoming year? Number one thing I'm excited about is the airbrush and air and airbrush compressor I got for Christmas. So I'm really hoping to speed up my painting with it. Um, unfortunately, being in the in the central Midwest, you've got a very thin window where spray paint priming. Uh, weather is optimal so right. I'm hoping to break those chains and get that airbrush out and prime baby prime and do some even doing some base coat stuff with it yeah um, you know I'm looking at a couple of rat ogres and I'm thinking ooh those big chunky armor plates on their on their shoulders you know a couple quick blasts of silver and hey they're done yeah so uh, you know hey we'll start with black and then I'll layer on some brown and do some other stuff, and before too long, you've got a, a painted group of red ogres, or at least mostly painted. Right. So that's hobby-wise, you know the the you know the artifice of, of our hobby. That's that's what I'm most excited about. Yeah. Um, commands and colors, uh, GMT. It's got another commands and colors product coming out in 2017 and that is commands and colors epic napoleonics that could be very interesting yes um again if you've paid attention to the facebook and twitter feed um it's not only a wider a long you know longer board but it's also a deeper board now instead of nine hexes it's 11 hexes so that's you know that doesn't seem like much but yeah, that's that's gonna be that's gonna be fun. I think. Yeah. Oh, is it? It's wider still than the commands and colors. I forget the number because uh, Epic Ancients is twenty six hexes. I want to say Napoleonics is thirty hexes wide, wow. so even wider still. Yeah. So there's gonna be some real room for maneuver with this. Yeah. Yeah, and that probably rightfully so with uh, with how cavalry worked at that time frame. Yeah, yeah, and um, this past year they came out with Commands and Colors Napoleonic's Generals, which was an expansion that added a general deck. So you've got your command deck and you've got your general deck. Uh, I haven't done a whole lot of research <clears throat> into it or looking into it. It looks to me. Um, like they're kind of taking the lore deck out of battle lore or the honor deck out of samurai battles and added it yeah. to the Napoleonics game which is just it just adds another facet to the game and sure. 
you know, I'm not going to say Richard Borg can do no wrong, but if he keeps doing smart stuff with the commands and colors system, he's, you know, shut up and take my money. Right. And yeah. there's also at least, oh gosh, I've, I need to do some more looking into this, but it looks like there's going to be an, uh, war of American American war of independence version of commands and colors coming out in 2017 also. That'd be, that'd be cool. Yeah. And furthermore, it looks like it's in conjunction with plastic soldier company. Oh, very interesting. Yes. So that could be a whole lot of fun. Sure. And you, what, what are you excited about for 2017? Um, well, already with, uh, the new Armada waves that are already been announced, those are looking very interesting. Um, I am giddy with excitement with the, uh, with the hope and potential, uh, inclusion of a particular, uh, rebel starship that, uh, we see at the very end of the, uh, in the big battle scene in uh, Rogue One. I, I hope they bring that to the table. Uh, and somehow play that into, you know, what what you see it do in the game. Somehow bring that to the table. That that would be very fun. Are you talking about the uh, hammerhead? Yeah, the hammerhead. Okay. No spoilers. Yeah. Then, um, like I said, my uh, three millimeter armor uh, for Arabs and Arab Israeli. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be uh, fun to work with. Uh, I just I like I like micro armor anyway. Yeah. Uh, I've I've always uh, enjoyed that type of uh, combat. Um, mm-hmm. That's looking good to me. Um, really, just getting to actually hopefully spend more time doing it and less time having to, uh, you know, work always seems to get in my way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, some of the things I'd like to maybe uh, get into uh, or get back into, I noticed on some of the notes that you had uh, stated, uh, get back playing some full thrust. Oh, uh, yeah. Especially with those uh, beautiful Halo Fleet Battles games, uh, uh, ships. Oh, and that's another thing. Um, supposed to be coming out with more Halo uh, 15 millimeter yeah. uh, ground game. That looks if if they can bring it out and uh, make it look good. You know, I, I I've I've played Halo a bit. Yeah. Uh, on 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 the Xbox. Well, the 15 mil um, game is out. Oh, it is out. It is okay. out. Unfortunately, the models are on the cashy side. Uh, that's too bad because yeah. those are, you know, the the Spartan armor and and mm-hmm. the the Covenant critters, yeah. uh, aliens are just such iconic looking uh, characters. It'd be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I what I would love to see happen is a Fantasy Flight. Uh, especially after Rogue One, if Fantasy if Fantasy Flight could somehow figure out how to do 15 or 28 millimeter uh, Star Wars miniatures, 
and, well, the... not, and not have them be so okay. I know you've got the the ones with uh... Imperial Assault or twenty eight ish. Yeah, uh... and they're good. They're they're great looking figures. They're that soft polyvinyl plastic though. Yeah, and they're sitting at about twelve dollars a figure. Yeah, so it's hard unless, to do. unless you get the expansions, but I mean, all your cool named characters are are one offs, and they're twelve bucks each, roughly. Yeah, so I mean, you're you're looking, you're in the same ballpark as uh, Games Workshop, actually half the price of Games Workshop for mm, named more, characters, yeah. but still, uh, it's it's hard to do mass combat yeah. when you know. You want to have thirty or forty stormtroopers out there, and you're dropping large bucks. Well, yeah, but so. I mean, you can pick up stormtroopers in your in your expansion packs easily yeah. enough. But so. no, I see what you were getting at. Um, I definitely want to do some kind of sci-fi skirmish. You know, definitely with the old forty k figures I've got. Mm-hmm. Um, we've kicked around the idea of using chain of command for that. Yeah. Um, I picked up Rogue Stars recently um, from Osprey Games. Um, the artwork in it looks great. The rules themselves are kind of uninspiring, and the way it's the way it's written and laid out. Um, I need to spend some more time with it before I give a full judgment on it. But uh, the downside to that is it looks like four to six figures per player is your upper limit. So it's right. it's almost going, it's almost transcending a skirmish game into being a uh, a light RPG which right. which isn't a bad thing but I I'm not sure that's the type of experience I want to have. Um I'm thinking I want to have upwards of a dozen figures. Um so I don't know, we'll see. Um Chain of Command I think we could do something with. Um, Definitely. Like you said, you know, full thrust especially with these gorgeous Halo Fleet Battles models, I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, and, um, and with your new airbrush it's Gonna be a breeze to paint them up. Eh, well, we'll see. <laughs> I don't know. I it, the thing with those Halo f- models is the same problem I had with my Clan War models. They're just too damn beautiful. <laughs> I thought I'm gonna mess these up if I paint them, but I'm just gonna have to do it. I'm just gonna have to. I'm just yeah. gonna have to do it and just get over myself. And that's that's yeah, well, exactly. You know, I look at my very first 12400th scale ship that I ever painted, mm-hmm. and then I look at uh, some of the carriers with uh, dazzle patterns that I won painting contests with. Yeah. It's like, what ignoramus painted this thing? Yeah. <laughs> well, that was me. Ugh. It's like, you know, what do you, you use a three inch flat brush? <laughs> yeah. Well,. <laughs> Every, you know, every every masterpiece is built on a pile of crap. Oh yeah. So I just gotta I gotta build my pile of crap, I guess. Yep. So, yeah. Um, there is an off chance. There is a possibility that I might figure out a way to get into sharp practice. Um, sharp practice is yet again another two fat lardy set um, for skirmishy type actions set in basically the horse and musket period um actually i've got some pike and shot figures um that i i could see doing some sharp practice stuff with sharp practice is very character driven um typically you'll have three or four named characters 
and three or four units of anywhere from 10 to, well, actually anywhere from 5 to 20 figures in these units. So it's very heavily drawn. Uh, it's inspiration from the Richard Sharp series of novels and the Harry Flashman series of novels and Little Big Man and, and things of that nature. So it's very much tongue-in-cheek, very character-driven, very story-driven. I, I'd, I'd like to do something like that. I just don't know if I'm going to be able to because... You know, my my main focus for the upcoming year, as far as getting stuff done, is going to be the Commands and Colors Fantasy because I think that that's got some real potential to be a really nice looking game, and a whole lot of fun. Right. But uh, so I I guess that's what we're that's what we're coming up to, um, and I, I guess it's it's time to take a look at what's coming up for the show in 2017. Yeah. Started yeah, the show in 2016. Where, where are we going? What's what's going on? What's happening? Um, well, 2016 started the show. I've had this is the sixth episode with a guest. I'm gonna continue having guests. I I don't think I'm gonna do many solo shows if I can get if I can get away with it. But already on the slate, um, we're gonna talk to my friend Howard Whitehouse about how to run a convention game. Um, and I I think that's gonna be a lot of fun to talk to Howard about. He's a novelist. He writes rules. Um, we actually play tested a card game for him at CJ3. I forgot to mention that. Um, so a lot of fun there. Um, coming up right after Howard, we're going to talk about world building with Joe Zija. He's the author of Mechanical Failure, a science fiction novel uh, set on a starship. It's very much tongue-in-cheek. Um, Joe is a former Air Force officer and um, definitely puts the veteran in veteran wargamer. I don't think he's much of a wargamer, though, But so we're going to strictly talk about how to build a world uh, to set your novel or your games or your campaign in. Um, further into the year, um, we're going to be talking playability versus realism. What does that mean in a game? Um, and we are going to be talking with Henry Hyde about that. Um, looking even further out... Uh, we're going to talk commands and colors at length uh, with the Meeples and Miniatures crew. That uh, sounds like that's going to be a, a, a good show. Well, these are all going to be good shows. Thanks for, thanks for lowballing me. Um, <laughs> some other well, things. Specifically. Well, um, further on down the line, we're going to be talking the difference between miniatures and board games, where that line lies. Uh, we're going to be talking point systems. We're going to be talking Old West Gaming. Uh, we're going to be talking about hosting your own game weekend, like I mentioned earlier. And then further on, I want to talk about World War II gaming. You know, maybe we'll break that up into a, into a series, actually. Uh, maybe talk about the European theater of operations versus the Pacific theater of operations. Maybe have an episode for each. Maybe some World War I gaming. Uh, American Civil War gaming. I want to talk about war movies. I want to talk about the movies that inspire us to game. So... I also want to get a little inside baseball into the industry. Um, I'm sure we'll have Tim Spikowski on again to talk about special artisan service miniatures and 3D printing and where that's going. I want to talk about running a tournament. So that's all coming up in 2017. So sounds like a full slate. Well, I've got a couple of I've got a couple of commitments. I don't have anything set in stone just yet on when we're going to be recording when we are going to. Re- 
be releasing. I do know for a fact that the first show for May will be Star Wars Gaming. Yes. With a publication date of May the 4th. That's right. I already looked ahead of the calendar. (laughs) It's going to work out. The Force is with us on this one. We are going to talk about Star Wars Gaming on May the 4th. So maybe we'll be able to get some get Ray out to play some more Imperial Assault and we'll maybe dust off our uh, our decrepit MS-DOS machines and play some TIE Fighter and X-Wing on those too so there you go um, so yeah it's things are looking great for the upcoming year not just with the projects we're wanting to do but also with this podcast I, I want to thank everyone who's listened and given feedback um, speaking of listener feedback Basement Games uh, I put the question out, what are you looking forward to for 20, or what's, you know, what was on hand in 2016, what are you looking forward to in 2017? Basement Games says, 2016, too much life, not enough gaming. You know, I agree 100%. Oh, God. 1,000%. Yeah, not enough <laughs> gaming. And 2017, he says, more Chain of Command, Poland 39, Sea Lion and Can 44, and 15 millimeter plus terrain. Those that sounds great. Every single oh yeah, I am one hundred percent in agreement with every single one of those things. Um, I think Poland in thirty nine and France in forty would be a lot of fun. You know, you've got you've got some funky stuff on both sides. You know, it's oh, it's yeah. not the big cats. You know, you know if you look at heck, if you look at uh, uh, France in forty, a Panzer three is the bit is the bad mama jamma. Oh yeah, it, you know. That was, uh... That was the uh, big dog rolling around. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that sounds like that's going to be a lot of fun uh, for that listener. So I know I've said I want to keep the show to an hour, but we're going just a little bit over. But that's okay. So hey, it's, it's your show. It's my show. Dang it, Chris! Thanks again for coming on. Sure, uh, I'll have you on. I'm sure again in the future. Oh yeah. Um, so we'll just have to. Uh, take a look at what's out there and keep going so with that in mind as always you know if if for some reason whatever reason that is the the gaming that you're doing isn't fun hey you make it fun that is all the better war gamer is copyright j arnold 2016 show notes are available at the veteran wargamer.blogspot.com